Hey, everybody, welcome to Social Beauty Makers, the podcast where every Wednesday we will bring you fast paced, powerful 15 or so minutes meant to inform, educate and inspire around a variety of topics, including trends and all things tech for the professional salon industry. And on Sundays, beginning July 9th, look for my new podcast, BeautyCast Network's Mastering Beauty, Building Sustainable and Successful Careers, where each week I'm going to spend 30 minutes or so with brilliant guests sharing their very best advice. I'm Gordon Miller, your podcast host. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Now, in mentioning this podcast and the soon-to-be Mastering Beauty podcast, I, I did say 15 and, and 30 minutes or so, respectively. Um, I, I'm going to start by saying I'm in that oh-so category today because I'm going to be talking about the future of the industry, where it is headed. It's a very large, dynamic, and forever-changing industry. And, you know, uh, I've got my bullet points, but uh, sometimes it's hard to keep it to that 15 minutes when you talk about such an interesting topic. So let's talk about the future. Let me start with a bit of a reality check. Over the last 15 years or so, the salon industry has, has likely actually shrunk in, in terms of its size economically. Um, but, but that's tough to measure given we have such a lack of information, a lack of comprehensive studies about the overall industry. So, so why do I say this? Well, historically, and I'm going back uh, in the early 2000s, let's say 2006, 2007, we were thought to be a 60 plus billion dollar industry. And that is at the salon level, meaning all revenue that's flowing through the salon for services, um, for retail sales, um, and for tips that are declared. And so 60 plus billion dollars in 2007. You just that for inflation to make it in today's dollars, that's $80 billion. The latest math that I've seen in the industry that seems to be accepted and being passed around, and that is that we were at $54 billion. In real dollars, you know, it's, it's kind of shocking, and I don't necessarily believe these numbers completely, but that would be a decline of close to 30% in the larger economy of all salons. So that sounds kind of crazy, but sadly, we, we really don't know. And at minimum, I would, I would um, suggest that we've seen at least a 10% decline in total revenue across the entire professional industry at the salon level. Again, it's that revenue. Um, and that's something that just isn't really discussed. And, uh, fascinates me, not in a good way, but it does fascinate me. All right. So the future business models, really, really interesting time um, as it relates to the shifts, especially coming out of pandemic. Sometimes when I consider them, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but then these are just as much that is happening in our larger world. And, and what I mean by that is that the growth in independence has been significant, um, not as much as I think as some people believe, but it has been significant. And Really importantly to understand is that independence has been around in the industry for well over a hundred years. Um, and, and throughout all that time, there's really not been any proof points that it is better for professionals or salons generally. Um, it's, it's, and I've always been in favor of doing what makes you happy in terms of business models and how you choose to live your life professionally. But I am concerned that history shows us that being your own boss, regardless of category, traditional salon, a hybrid type of salon, independence, I mean, being your own boss in any business model in our industry is not for most a path to success. And that's just a reality we know over time. So a concern across all categories, all business models, a prediction I would make is that larger chain salon companies, organizations will continue to grow. And given so much that is changing, and I'll get into that in a few moments, that could be a very positive trend given the educational support they provide to 
those who work in those organizations um, that has always been foundational in careers, but we're seeing a real decline in educational offerings throughout the industry. And so, and especially um, for new professionals, those going into salons. And so the, the support that they receive in, in chain organizations um, could be really, really critical for the larger industry. And, and again, I believe that it will drive growth of the category over time. The top of the market, the larger traditional salons, the luxury salons, um, it's evolving. And, and frankly, as a category, it, it's struggling with that evolution. Um, but in spite of that, I predict the category is going to rebound and will only get stronger over the next 10 years or so as folks kind of figure things out, I guess is the best way to say it. And, and some of that projection is based on what we see in the larger world at the luxury level, and that that is a category that remains quite strong and has just a lot of potential. The vast middle of the market, um, where we have the largest count of salons, necessarily, not necessarily the largest count of people, but the largest count of salons, um, that category, as in the rest of American business, that middle, um, it's going to remain very challenged. And it's going to get more and more difficult to thrive in that part of the industry, given the, the tremendous competition that we see happening uh, from all directions. As I've said before on the podcast, I, I really think we've never lived in times that are as competitive uh, for this industry as we're living in today. Independence, I, I believe it's going to continue to slowly grow, as, as I said, um, but we're already seeing somewhat of a swing back to employment-based models by some, I would say, um, who had previously moved to independence. And a, a simple, perfect example of this is, is where it might be headed, is my new neighbor um, in my neighborhood in Chicago, next building over, um, all of a sudden I see a hybrid salon is opening. And this, the owner of that salon is a successful suite renter who is building out an eight-chair salon with four employees, two chair renters, and two suites. So a real hybrid, a, a true hybrid. And when I met the owner, I happened to be walking by and saw what was up and I had to introduce myself. When I, when I asked her why she's leaving her suite, she said that it was kind of the natural next place for her to grow into. She felt that she did all she could do in a suite and her own salon in her own way is what is up next for her. And so interesting, and I've heard about this from many other people across the industry, and it's smaller numbers in this moment, but I think it's interesting and a sign of perhaps what is to come. Let me end this part of my conversation by saying that business model trends should be really the foundation of, of kind of pretty much everything that's happening going forward in all segments. You know, logic should tell us that huge changes in how professional careers unfold should lead to shifts in how the larger industry across every category supports professionals throughout their varied careers. All right, next category, events. Very much changing, but not going away. At the big shows, which, you know, coming through pandemic, there's a lot of question marks um, by many in this industry and, and by me. And um, I would say, having been to uh, ABS, having been to Premier Orlando, hearing about the other shows and what was happening at those shows. Um, I have to say my observation is first and foremost, um, positive. Secondly, um, the attendees are skewing younger and I'm fascinated by this. Saw this at ABS. I, I believe I saw the same thing at Premier and this makes so much sense post pandemic. You know, habits have changed across society, including habits in our industry. And for many, um, large shows were just that, both on the exhibitor side and also the attendee side. 
many with lots of experience and and um, and, and people who have not only experience but access to to all the good stuff on a daily basis, education, they're supported by distributors, they're supported by brands, they know what's happening, they know what's new. Um, a lot of those folks were kind of frustrated with shows, many of them would show up or they show up every other year, but there was a lot of grousing going on. And coming out of pandemic, I think many of those folks changed their habits. But younger professionals um, and students, they've turned out in droves. And the question many would ask is, is that a good thing? And I would say, yes, 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 yes. And I think it's good for uh, the attendees themselves. It's good for the educators that show, the exhibitors, and, and the shows themselves. I think it's a natural evolution that I believe will only strengthen the industry over time. Um, young people coming to a show where they have access to so much, they see so much, they, they get to, to experience role models in real time. I think it's a really, really positive thing. And I think the shows will evolve to better serve that group of attendees. And, and that excites me. Brand and distributor events are, are still a question mark. It's definitely seeing lots of evolution. I think there's a lot of experimenting going on. I'm excited by what I'm seeing. Lots of changes, but my gut is uh, for the better. Um, and that time will tell. Next category, education. So business model shifts means um, there's a lot of, of changes in access to education. As salons uh, move to hybrid, as salons look to control costs, as salons look to have more experienced people as new employees versus perhaps younger people. Again, in certain categories, um, we're seeing education at the salon level kind of shrinking. We're also seeing that, you know, education for many is moving to kind of a, a self-serve model. And I think that, you know, logic tells us that, that means that less will be educated. During COVID times, we saw online learning spike huge, which really excited me. I have such passion for this category, but post-pandemic, it's very much crashed. Of course, across most categories and platforms. And all the insights and information that I'm receiving um, is that um, we've taken a huge step backwards from pandemic and that online learning um, is just not meeting the expectations that we had as a category economically. I mean, certainly people are going online and looking to learn things. Um, a lot of free education, quote unquote, they're looking at. And, and sometimes I think that's more inspiration than education. But again, online learning is, is not performing at the level many of us had hoped for. Um, a lot are saying on social media that the younger generations out there, they're getting educated in way larger numbers than in the past. I would add to that, there's kind of zero proof points about that. And observationally, I, I don't really see that happening. Um, I, I wish it was, but, but I, I don't see it happening. For younger professionals who are killing it, you know, kind of those ninjas out there, yes, they are availing themselves to education. And I think those are the folks who are talking about it the most, saying our generation is, is getting more educated. But I think they're projecting their own experience onto the larger category. And I, I always caution us about doing that. Um, independent education, it's up for sure. But I think what's important to say there, and there's, again, there's a lot of talk about this online. Um, it was a very, very small category pre-pandemic. And I, when I, what I mean by that is if you look at the number of, of independent educators, the amount of, of people they touch every single year as independent educators themselves, they could be killing it. But when you add them all up together as a category and you look at it relative to the larger industry, again, it's very, very small. And even if it doubled or tripled coming out of pandemic, I would say perhaps it's doubled. I'm not sure that it's really gotten to that, but let's say it's doubled, tripled, or even quadrupled. It's still a very, very small category. And then let me talk for a moment about schools. Um, they are worthy of their own episode, given the changes that are happening 
across the category. Um, federal rules are impacting access to aid and it's predicting that it could have a, a really negative impact on the school market, um, perhaps leading to closures, um, changes in state board models that are moving towards lesser hour requirements, a, a movement that I actually very much support. Again, a, a larger conversation. But of course, that any sort of changes in, in how curriculums are, are managed and developed, you know, it, it creates another challenge for schools to just make modifications. That takes time and effort and sometimes retraining, um, changing student demographics and a whole lot more. All those things are impacting schools. So I am going to do a separate episode on that topic um, in the near future. So stay tuned for that one. Um, distribution. Self-service seems to be the future of, of much of this category. Um, while larger salons and chains, those with a lot of economic heft, they tend to buy more direct from brands, um, from the product side of things, and, and, and um, often are using distributors more for sundries and, and for um, um, not, you know, back bar and, and not retail and, and those things. So, um, again, self-service feels like the future. I think we felt like online was going to be the future of distribution. Talking to a lot of folks in that category, I, I think it's, again, not kind of lived up to what many of us had hoped for. It will continue to evolve, but um, we'll have to keep watching. I do think um, trends related to um, the big distributors, the two gigantic companies that serve about 80% of all salons and professionals, those trends, I think, are quite different than the trends related to the independent distributors that are focused more on the niche of traditional salons. What I just projected or talked about was, was for those big, big companies. I think at the independent level, time will tell us to how it's going to shake out. Um, and I would add there that um, innovation is the key to this category. Um, flourishing, I guess that's the best word to say, for this category to, to really be all that it is, is meant to be, in my mind, um, for the independent salons, um, innovation will be key. Brands, hair color rules in the hair category, period, hair color rules. Um, and, and that is, continues to just grow. On the retail front, um, independence does not bode well for this category. We, we uh, it, it's logical to assume that as more shift to independence, that the retail number associated with those individuals um, will not necessarily follow them into the independent world. So, you know, I think that's fascinating. Um, again, I'm talking in the aggregates. There's always going to be companies that are killing it across anything that I've talked about and those that are more challenged. But in the aggregate, I think retail, you know, has its challenges as we see this movement towards independence. And also as we see I think, you know, uh, looking at the economy today and how people feel about the economy, a, a lot more um, cost consciousness. Um, I would hope a lot more focus on, on profitability, which means more retail should be happening. But I think from a cash flow perspective, um, some are cutting back on, on retail just because they don't want to put the cash out. And, and there's a lot of confusion about that whole um, idea. And I've talked about it on previous podcasts, won't get into it here, but I, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about um, what some feel are, are, are challenges in retail. And, and I would offer up that I only see opportunity in retail and huge opportunity that I hope folks uh, will look into. Perms. Oh my gosh, perms. Well, before I say perms, let me say texture <laughs> continues to be a focus by brands across the industry, by salons across the industry, as the population becomes more diverse, this makes sense. And, and I see this focus continuing. Um, and related to that, 
kind of, um, are perms. And they are kind of coming back, um, getting a lot of coverage in the press. And I, I, I'm fascinated by that. Um, and I will add to this that something that's driving that is, is K-pop. And um, if, you, if you read about it, um, Curl Cult, um, Janine Jarman's new company, I, I think is very much attuned to this. And, and she and I regularly text each other when I, when I find articles about this or send DMs. But a lot of the press on this category comes by the influence of K-pop globally and, and in America. And so that's fascinating. If you listen to me regularly, you know I'm a big K-pop fan, have been for 10 plus years. Um, fun fact, I recently went to BTS member Suga's concert in Chicago. He's one of the seven members of Solo Tour. Um, and um, yeah, it was me and 20,000 girls and young women um, in attendance. And um, I will say that I was very much at home. Concert killed. All right, back to trends, media. Um, I, I've saved this one for last, perhaps because I, I really feel it's the, the category of the most significant change. I mean, there's a lot of change in what I just talked about, but I think media has is the category in the near, near term coming out of pandemic that was kind of turned on its head. And it's been going through significant change since 2008 or so and, and, and the recession that occurred at that time. And we saw big, big changes in media. And then, of course, social media, as it's blown up, it's had an impact on media. So, uh, again, lots of changes. It's been turned upside down, and, and I don't see any in, in sight um, as to the changes. There is just so much content out there. And in the old days, you know, pre-social media, most content that the industry saw was coming by way of media. And today it's been, again, turned on its head. The majority of content by far is not coming from media. And most of the content being shared by media is coming from other content creators. So, you know, that's fascinating. I've seen a massive shift in advertising uh, spending. Um, and, and I think there's a shift in the perceived value of the category by the audience, by brands, and, and, and by others. My own take is someone who has spent many years in this category. My role as publisher of American Salon, CEO and president of Hairbrained, you know, many years in the category, many years prior to that around the category with a lot of interest in the category. Um, and, and that is, again, that value proposition of traditional media today is tremendously challenged. Brand spending, I would say across all media, old media, new media, and, and I should note here, really, I think five media companies in here today, um, it's, it's likely down 50% collectively. Again, it, it differs by each media company. So some are up, some are down. But I'd say collectively, media spending, traditional media spending, it's down about 50% over the last 15 years, 50%, if not more. And we continue to see a shift in dollars. And, and the shift in the last few years has slowly been towards brand ambassadors. And, and I think we're seeing that ramp up, that shift in spending. TikTok um, is, is a, a very interesting uh, platform to be watching as this is happening. There's a handful of, of brand ambassadors, of, of quote-unquote influencers on TikTok who have built massive followings. Um, there are three, three TikTokers at, uh, at ABS who together had uh, six, seven million followers and, and by the way, in some of the biggest lines for selfies I've ever seen at an event, and again, three TikTokers, but I think the industry is working, the world is working hard um, to try to decode it from a business perspective. And I, I think where it's leading all of us to, to is that that platform in particular 
the success on it is a function of who you are connected to as brand ambassadors, as, as individual people, and not by way of the pages of media. The two biggest successes in, in TikTok are, are, I think, unquestionably Olaplex and, and K18. And when you kind of look at their pages versus where all the action, if you look at the hashtags and just look at all of the engagement that's happening around those two brands, it's not happening on their pages, it's happening on others. And so that is huge and game-changing, again, for media. Um, I, I think looking forward, that media that depends on social media as you know, its, it's way to monetize, which is kind of where so much of it happens today, print magazines are almost done. People aren't going to websites the ways that they have been. I mean, email is being used, I think, to, to a degree successfully as a monetization um, model for media companies. But most is still depending on social media, sharing social media posts on the media brands um, platforms on their pages, you know, uh, on predominantly on Instagram and on Facebook. And uh, again, given everything I just said, I, I think that uh, media that does not evolve beyond social media as we know it are, are going to have uh, a difficult time ahead. And I say that as someone who absolutely loves media in this industry and as someone who continues to be one of the three owners over at Hairbrain. So I am uh, a fan of the category, but um, you know the future is going to be interesting to watch. All right. So I am out of time. I, I said I would try to keep it to my, my 15 minutes I've gone over. And so uh, I, I am going to wrap up. Um, but if you like what you heard today, I encourage you to visit socialmediamakers.com and sign up for my free e-newsletter for more content and early access to this podcast. I'd also appreciate a rating review. Um, hit the subscribe button or best yet, share the podcast with others to pay it forward and help more to find us. And um, again, I hope you will listen in uh, to the BeautyCast Network Mastering Beauty podcast that, that's coming up. We'll launch on Sunday, July 9th with Tabitha Coffee. And I am most excited to talk to her about creating an amazing, long-lasting career. And yeah, that's it. So once again, I want to say thank you so very much for tuning in. I appreciate it. And um, again, I'm Gordon Miller. I can't wait to share more with you again next time. <music>